0: Okay, so you've heard me say before that Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas teaches that the intellect precedes the will, meaning you cannot love what you do not know. You can also say the same within the intellect itself. You cannot assent to the belief of your will. I will to believe it unless you first know it. So one of the things that we've striven to do during our Saturday talks on explaining the faith is to get you to know the teaching of the church so that you can love the teaching of the church. To to know God better, to love him better. Now, that being said, So I guess the bottom line would be we want to know what something is before we decide if it's we are going to believe it. So in other words, I need to know it before I can assent in belief, my act of the will, I believe. So I need to know what I'm learning and understand it, and then I can make the will, the act of the will to say I believe it. The two reasons people don't get grace of this next eight days, the days that Jesus said the floodgates are open, the two reasons people don't get this grace is that they don't believe it, but also because they don't know it. They don't understand it. Now, if you understand it and you still choose to not believe it, you're in bigger trouble. But if you don't believe it because you don't understand it, our job as priests is to make sure that you at least know it. Then it's up to you if you choose to believe it or not. I can't force you to believe it, but I can certainly help you to know it, to understand it. And then you make the choice to believe it. Let's try that right now. Lazarus, when his body, one person argued with me and our letters that we correspond with, that Jesus' resurrection is no different than Lazarus. Why aren't we hailing Lazarus as God? Well, first of all, Lazarus didn't rise by his own power, right? And Lazarus' body was not changed. When he was brought back to life, he was just like he was before he died. And he ended up dying again. He was still in a regular state. It was not changed. It was the same as before. He would still die. Not Jesus. Jesus's body was not the same as it was before. It's now in a glorified state. He is resurrected. All right. He would never die again. Here's the thing. The resurrection means that Christianity is unique and completely different from all other religions. In Islam, God would never condescend to come down and become one of us. In Judaism, they don't believe that there's a trinity and therefore the second person took flesh. Christianity is unique. Now, are we going to know this and then choose to believe it or not? All right, Mary Magdalene, we just read about Mary Magdalene. She's a great place to start. She loved Jesus so much. In fact, she loved him the most and she never forgot what Jesus did for her. We shouldn't either. All right. Now, this is why Mary was given the privilege of being the first at the tomb. This is interesting. Her troubled past didn't disqualify her from being the first witness of the resurrection. This is the ultimate sign of divine mercy. You know, our society today, everything is permissible. But nothing is forgivable. Background checks, I think we need them. I think they're important. They prove a place, especially if there's been a violent crime or abuse of a child or something like that. But I've seen completely lies. One of my best friend's life was completely ruined. Because in college, he did something stupid. Didn't hurt anybody, but did something stupid. And that record will never leave him. Our society says, go ahead, do it, have a drink. But then when you do and you get caught, the society will never, ever, ever forgive you. Mary Magdalene had a checkered past according to church tradition, but Jesus said that doesn't disqualify you from being the first witness to my resurrection. This means divine mercy. No matter what our troubled past is, no matter what we have on our background, it doesn't matter because God will wipe it clean. And we're going to walk with you the next week. Stay with us and how we prepare for Divine Mercy Sunday. I'll be with you on Wednesday and Friday here. And we're going to talk about more how to prepare for this incredible grace. Now, Mary, again, is, you know, it's funny because if this was a hoax, if the apostles stole the body as these guards were told to say, They never would have allowed a woman to be the first witness. Because they didn't, at this time in first century Palestine, you didn't have credibility. Sorry, that's just the way it was. I'm not agreeing with it. It's just the way it was. So Mary, what did she do? So Mary here, if the apostles again stole the body, they never would have chosen a woman as the first witness. But what did Mary do? Mary went to Peter. Despite that he denied Jesus, here's his divine mercy again, showing he was still the leader. This is the foundation of the papacy. So then we know the story. Peter came with Jane, uh, with John and uh, they ran into the tomb. And what did John do is they, it says in the gospel of yesterday's readings, that when they raced to the, to the tomb, John outran Peter. But then it says, what did John do? He stopped, deferred, and let Peter go in. This is all symbolic. This is the role that Peter, as the head of the church now, the foundation of the papacy, will play. And so he deferred and let Peter, as the leader, go in and be the first into the tomb. Now, here's what's fascinating. Because in this gospel today, we read that, tell him the body was stolen. Well, We got to look to yesterday's reading, one of the readings from yesterday, because there's many, to see why this couldn't work. It's really fascinating. So what happened? They went in to the tomb, and what did they see? The grave clothes, right? They were not disarranged. Now, they were lying neatly folded. Now, if robbers came to steal the body... They're not going to take the time to fold up the cloths, right? The grave clothes did not look as if they had been taken off. Like when you wake up in the morning, you take your shirt off. You just sometimes throw it on the chair. That's not what this was. Now, here's what's interesting. With 75 pounds of spice in the shroud, if Jesus was wrapped in the shroud, which he would have been in the tomb, They figure he would have had about 75 pounds of spices with him. Now, if Jesus didn't die, as some others say, and he actually woke up, he would have had to struggle to get out of that. These clothes would have been torn to shreds to get out of it. If he did this, it would have been shredded. This napkin wouldn't have been nicely rolled up. So Jesus wasn't in the fact of, trying to he would never really die he was just unconscious and then he woke up no he went through the clothes this is why the shroud of turin has the image of jesus and they describe it as it is is this burial cloth that jesus is laying under that it actually the image was almost like it went through the cloth and it's burned. It's not even a drawing. It's not. It's it's actually the only thing that could have impressioned an image like that on that cloth was either a bolt of lightning or a burst of radiation so great it was like a bolt of lightning or a burst of light so bright. How do you envision the resurrection? I envision it as a burst of light. So this is amazing. Now, If somebody says, well, okay, a thief came in and took it. Well, no thief would have taken the time, as we said, to unwrap the corpse and then fold the clothes. Here's the thing. In those days, robbers took the linens. They didn't care about the body. The linen was what was of value. People say that the burial cloth of Christ was a very fine linen. If a robber came into the grave, he would have wanted the fine linen. He didn't want the body. The body was worthless to him. So he would have left the body and took the clothes. Instead, you've got no body but the left closed. So this is opposite. Now, as if it, 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 it was so powerful, this resurrection, this like the body evaporated through this cloth. And so it's no sign of a physical, plus, there's no smears of blood. If Jesus' body, either by his own means, like he woke up because he was unconscious and tore the clothes off, or a robber would have pulled his body from the cloth, or even pulled the cloth off the body, there would be blood smears. There is blood on the shroud, this is true, but not one drop of that blood is smeared. It's like when you're bleeding. If your hand is bleeding and you lay a cloth over it and just let the cloth set until you're stopped bleeding and it's all dried, then you take it off. It's not smeared. If you pulled it off or I, I ripped the clothes off, it would be smeared. There is none of that. The image on the shroud is fascinating. And it ties to this celebration of Easter. First of all, what's on the shroud? Whether or not you believe in the Christian faith or not, you can acknowledge a few facts. The image on the shroud is that of a crucified male, bearded, 5'11 and 175 pounds. His physique was muscular, well-built, and he's estimated between 30 and 35 years old. These are all scientific. They determined that this blood is real blood, human blood, and it was, as I said, scorched on there. Fascinating is pollen on parts of the shroud that are only come from plants that are in that part of the world. Which means that this cloth was at one time in Jerusalem. When they blew up the face image on the Shroud of Turin, they actually discovered two coins in the eye sockets. Now, at this time in history, they used to put coins because of rigor mortis, you know, they didn't want a dead body and all of a sudden the eyes opening up. So they would put coins over the eyes. And when they take the image of the shroud of Turin and they analyze the image of the face on the shroud and they blow it up, they can actually read the coins. They can see the coins in the eye sockets. I bet you didn't know this. This is fascinating. You can see all of this work by the Jacksons out of Colorado and the uh, so much work that's been done on the shroud. And the, the, the coins that are in the eyes of the image on the shroud have an inscription. They can actually read the inscription. And those two coins were minted under the authority of Pontius Pilate between 29 and 32 AD. Which means those would have been the coins in circulation at the time of Christ's uh, crucifixion. Fascinating. Fascinating. And so, this is uh, amazing. So anyway, um, testing was done. Oh, well, it was determined to be a hoax. Well, yeah, but we've also determined that that carbon dating testing was faulty. And that was declared by the inventor of carbon dating testing. He said they didn't do the samples right. Um, there was all kinds of faulty parts of the testing. And also, too, you know what else? They they took the samples from what was a sewn-on swatch that was added in the Middle Ages after a fire burnt the edges of the shroud. So, okay, you have a fire, burns the edges of the shroud in the Middle Ages, and the nuns sewed on a replacement cloth. So guess what part they sent to be tested in 1988? They took the part... <clears throat> they took the part of the shroud that was from what the nuns sewed on on the Middle Ages. Well, no wonder the test came back saying that the shroud only goes back to the Middle Ages. Oh my, I'm an engineer by degree and we engineers can be sometimes really smart and we can be some of the stupidest non-common sense people ever. And so this is a good example of it. So anyway, studies have shown that the shroud is not a painting or a forgery. We need faith to believe this. And you know what else? It's the only recorded example in the history of mankind that a person was both crucified and scourged. The Bible is the only written account in human history of a person that was both scourged and crucified. You know why? Because the Romans never did both. If you were going to be crucified, you didn't get scourged because you wouldn't have the strength to make it to your crucifixion. And if you were scourged and not to be crucified, they didn't crucify you, but you were only scourged to teach you a lesson and then send you on your way. Never was a person both scourged and crucified. The only example that we have written in human history is from the gospels, Jesus Christ. Guess what the man on the shroud is? both scourged and crucified there is so much amazing work here i don't want to spend the rest of this on it but this is the ascent now that we know do we choose to believe this is the whole message this is the resurrection this is why jesus did why because death is the greatest enemy of god now he defeated it well how can you defeat death by dying and rising again you've now defeated the greatest enemy of god and so this is what we are here today to talk about jesus is giving us this incredible grace over these eight days stay with us because in these eight days it is all celebrated as one as easter you know we marrying fathers don't eat meat on friday and when I came to the Marian Fathers as a postulant, we were driving across from Steubenville to Stockbridge. And it was this Friday of Easter. And we were going somewhere um, and, and we were stopping somewhere to eat. And I thought, well, oh, it's Friday. I, we don't eat meat because we don't eat meat any Friday during the year except this Friday and solemnities if a great solemnity falls on a Friday because this Friday is still Easter. This Friday is still part of the eight days octave. And the eight day octave culminates this Sunday on Divine Mercy Sunday. As St. Thomas the Apostle told us in the very first writings of the Apostles, that we have a feast over eight days for God's mercy. And the greatest of all those, those days of the feast is the eighth day. Augustine said this. St. Gregory of Nancy Ensen said this. And so we are seeing on day one of the act of Easter, Jesus opens the door to heaven. Then the next seven days are symbolic of your pilgrimage on life. But then the eighth day, the eternal number for the Jews, eight represented eternity to the Jews. You enter in to eternal life. That's when he wants you purged, cleansed, and cleaned. That's what Divine Mercy Sunday is. So please stay with us. Because over the next week, we're going to explain this and how you need to get these graces that are so credibly important that Jesus offers one time a year.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy